0: So let's get to our play by play call of the day. A former Hershey Bear scores against the Penguins.
1: Penguins successful on the PK. Threatening now is Oshie centering pass. Brana shoots and scores. Jacob Brana. And the Washington Capitals have a 2 0 lead.
0: And Steve Mears with a call on the Penguins TV network. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Large selection of pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Very quickly, I just want to step aside from sports for a moment and get it into the realm of the broadcasting world. I think most of you do know that Rush Limbaugh passed away today at the age of 70. Tomorrow I'm sure Mark will get into the politics of it. I won't. But I will get into the communicator of Rush Limbaugh. To go on the air three hours a day, five days a week... And to just go and never stumble and never say ah and never say um and put together full thoughts. Now, they may not be thoughts you agree with. They may be thoughts that you do agree with. That doesn't matter in this discussion at the moment. I'm talking about the incredible skill as a communicator that he had absolutely remarkable to do that 15 hours a week when some people run out of gas speaking after 15 minutes. And that is what I admired most in this business was his ability to just keep going and not say ah or um or stumble or fumble around and try to figure out where he was going and what he was doing with it. He always seemed to know what he wanted to do with it. Plus, he had an entertainment factor to him. The politics part, I'll leave that to you and the rest of you as to whether you agree with him or disagree with him. But as a person in this medium, he was a phenomenal on-air performer. And he made it seem easy to do when it's difficult to do. He passed away today at the age of 70. He just turned 70 last month. But he did not want the show to go by without recognizing that that happened. As for the politics of it, you can debate that tomorrow with Mark on his show and on the Mark. All right. So here we are in the sports world where we've talked about a wide variety of topics so far today. And one of them going forward is going to be when can we start getting a true influx of fans in? Because it's not going to just change how a ballpark, a stadium, or an arena looks and feels. It's also going to change, I think, how we feel about it on television. A full link. An incomplete pass. The booing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sure. These are your people. <laughs> these are your people. These are your people.
2: You'll miss booing everywhere, not just Philly.
0: Some people have perfected it. All right, uh, <laughs> but. You know, the atmosphere. Dallas is playing the Eagles. They're in the link. There's that that anticipation. Something big is about to happen. Wells Fargo Arena, whether it's Villanova playing there, the Flyers, the Sixers. Now, this is one of the issues baseball has, by the way. And I think this is an issue that baseball does have. You notice how they've been piping in noise Events and people know it, they've been critical of it. And as they pipe in the noise, it always is that constant din, right? That's baseball, that's what baseball sounds like until finally something happens. Baseball's at an interesting point, they are the sport that has gone the longest without a work stoppage and the last one did incredible damage and in some ways in some quarters irreparable damage in 1994 they've gone the longest since yet they never regain the trust of the audience out there because people are always expecting them to go on strike for something it's not true but it sure is the perception and perception's a problem And this year they're headed toward the possibility of not having labor peace by the end of the year. It is the sport that can, the NHL and Major League Baseball are the two sports that can ill afford a work stoppage with the NBA, believe it or not, next. And remember, the NFL had people upset when they missed two preseason games a couple of years ago. Remember that? People do not like to see millionaires versus billionaires when they're struggling to pay the mortgage and the car payment or when they're struggling to pay off their student loan debt. They don't quite see, quote, their problems. All right, you have a problem with what here? How to divide up how much money? Really? Hmm. Hmm. But back to baseball. Baseball has tried various things to make it more exciting. Let's bring in the designated hitter. Let's have interleague play. And I don't like the rule on the pitching where you got to face three. I don't like that rule. But there are several things that baseball needs to do Labor piece is one They need that So let's put that on the table right away Labor piece is one But they need to do several things to get themselves on track here Number one I don't expect them to take the pedal and push it to the floor But you've got to have some pace to this thing Oh, I like the leisurely pace Okay, I don't want a hammock either One foot in the box. Now you can look down to third. Okay? Adjust your batting gloves. I watched you on deck. You didn't adjust your batting gloves one time. So it can't be that much of an issue. Obviously, some sports psychologist told them that, hey, you know, just as your routine. Oh, the heck with your routine. Get in there and hit. Pitchers, get the ball, get the sign, pitch. And then the next one is... Part of the analytics of the game deals with the shifts of the game. I think that maybe it is time, and I've gone back and forth on this, but I think now it's time that the shift has got to go. In other words, only two infielders on one side, two on the other side. Now, it doesn't mean you can't take your shortstop and put him behind second, but you can't cross the mythical line. Because the, the game is dominated too often by walks, strikeouts, and home runs. Part of the deal with the home runs is trying to get lift on the ball to lift the ball over the shift. That's why I think maybe it's time for the shift to go. It's not as if other sports don't have positioning rules. A goalie cannot, run down, cannot skate down and join the play. In the NFL, five guys in the offensive line can't go out for a pass. Sports have positioning rules. Now, Major League Baseball has a positioning rule, too. You probably a couple of positioning rules you didn't know. For example, the right fielder cannot line up in foul territory no or left fielder doesn't matter no position player outside of the catcher can line up in foul territory outside of the catcher if you do it's a block so if you already have in play positional rules you can then expand the positional rules and maybe get the lift out of there and get some base hits and get some to get the ball in play and get rid of the ridiculous notion that those in sabermetrics always talk about these days where a strikeout is like any other out no it is not only a complete novice and fool thinks that and I deliberately put the second word in because I believe that when you put the ball in play you put the defense in peril when you don't put the ball in play the defense is not in peril Runner on second, I strike out two outs. Runner on second, I ground out the second base. He moves to third. Guess what? Wild pitch, pass ball, he scores. Hmm. I thought you just told me an out, uh, strikeouts like any other out. Really? Well, he just made an out and we got a run out of it. Huh. It can't be. The analytics guy said yes, exactly. I think it's something that needs to be considered.
2: I would be okay with no with no more shift. I just think it's kind of a takes the air out of the balloon of an of an at bat because you think someone's got a like a blue base hit everything like that and I agree. I haven't been it. the biggest fan of that, but I get why managers like to use it because you have to make sure that the hitter can, yeah, well, that. And also, too, you know guys don't know how to hit opposite. Some guys just don't know how to do that. They just want to pull the ball, and then you try and get it out that way. I get that strategy part of it, but I, I think that's minuscule compared to other things you need to do to win a game.
0: I think that what has happened is, first of all, managers are using it because they're allowed to, so they're smart. And they have all sorts of charts as to where you hit the ball. They have that. That's part of the game. It's part of the information that's needed to make good decisions. But I think there's certain, for example, in sports, there the rules are tailored toward offensive play. Even though five guys in the offensive line cannot go out for a pass in a normal formation, obviously, you have to report eligible, if, you know, which is a possibility. But normally, five guys can't go out that are playing on the offensive line. All right, well, that's a positional rule. Where you line up, you can't cover up a guy on the outside. That's a positional rule. In basketball, you throw the ball into the backcourt, guess what? It's a turnover. It's a- Technically that's a positional rule. Just like there used to be no shot clock in college basketball that that went to 45, that went to 35, now 30. And a change in the shot clock to 20 on an offensive rebound. Just trying to keep the game moving. Well, guess what? I think baseball needs to do that. One of the better things that ever happened in the in the NHL and hockey is they took out the the penalty for a two line pass. And stretch pass is a fun thing. It's a marvelous thing in hockey. Yeah, you're not getting 8-7 games, but it sure does seem like the game is moving even when it's a 3-2-4-3 game. Baseball needs to get moving. Not at breakneck speed. One foot in the box when you look down to third. Get back in the box and hit. Pitcher, get the ball. Get a sign. If you want to shake it off, great. Fine. Okay? Then pitch. And positionally, when it comes to what you're doing out there, no shifting, no three infielders on one side of the back. I think you have to do things like that to get the game in gear because the game needs more action. It's not going to be sustained action, but you have to transition the game away from either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run because there are too many dead periods in the game. You go... Today, Time in today's game was three hours and ten minutes. Do you know how often the ball was in play? Eight minutes. On the average. Eight minutes, maybe creeping toward nine. Now, you're not going to get the ball in play for a half an hour. That's not going to happen. But you have to have the perception that it's happening out there. That there's that there's some movement out there. Games used to be one of the one of the items that really hurt baseball. I thought was that during the uh, the pandemic when they weren't playing, MLB Network showed some of the great games of the past, and they would showed the entire game, and the entire game was two hours and twenty minutes. You look at the pitcher, Sandy Koufax, get the ball and pitch. Jim Cott, get the ball back, pitch. Dean Chance, got the ball back, pitched. Don Drysdale, get the ball back, pitched. Guy swung, put the ball in play. Didn't mean guys didn't strike out. Koufax, one year, struck out 382 batters one season. Didn't mean guys didn't walk. Koufax walked a fair amount early in his career. But you felt like the game was moving and had some variety to it. Right now, it's all right. it's all launch angle and things like that. And believe me, analytics and sabermetrics, with all due respect to people who are working, who by the way have engaged some people in it, which is great, and inf- information's invaluable. I'm all for more information, always all for more information. But they're also ter- but by dictating the entire game around it. There are various ways to win. Sabermetrics, analytics tell you there's one game to win, one way to win. And you know what analytics and sabermetrics happen to be? Past information that you're trying to apply to today. There are various ways to win in every sport. The problem with people who are really buried to analytics and saber metrics is they get mad when you don't use their method because they feel it's the only method. And that's turning some people off to the game. I don't want that. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. So you have women's basketball tonight.
2: Is I had girls. Had? I had girls basketball last night. How'd it go? It was a very interesting game. It was a very bizarre game in general. Ugly ending or uh, ugly game, a bizarre ending. Ending in overtime with a win for Lewisburg over Shabokin on the road. Lewisburg got down twelve nothing in the game came back in, forced overtime, wanted in overtime on a lane violation by the Shabokin shooter of a three-throw that would have tied the game and sent it to double overtime.
0: Wow. Um, what's the next Shikolumi game?
2: Scheduled for tomorrow, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Well... Dave Ritchie will probably do as much talking tonight as he will tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> Scott Laver on the Philly Spring Training. Next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones sunbury motors 4th street in sunbury sunbury motors key routes 11 and 15 and Hummels warping online at SunburyMotors.com. ford lincoln kia hyundai fabulous new inventory large selection of pre-owned inventory all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kear 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, snow is in the forecast, so let's talk baseball. Scott Lauber joins us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Well, when we had the Pirates guest guest on, I felt like he was guessing at most of the names. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You don't have to do that. So when you look at the base, the foundation of the Phillies, where are they foundationally as a team to start this spring training?
1: Yeah, no, you're right. For a team that, um, you know, finished under 500 last year and missed the playoffs in an expanded field. Uh, they have a pretty settled roster. You know, they uh, they brought the band back, so to speak, and uh, their their wager here is that they are a better team than they were in a very short sample size last year. That sixty games was not real revealing of a whole lot, other than that their bullpen was atrocious and it really wrecked their season. So they've tried to build a little bit better bullpen they've tried to add um, some pitching depth that they know they're going to need as pitchers try to get back to throwing a full season's worth of work worth of innings but really what they did was you know their two biggest offseason expenditures were to bring back JT Real Muto and D.D. Gregorius and you know, they feel like they've returned kind of the core of their team, and now it's just a matter of being uh, a better overall roster, being deeper and stronger, especially in their pitching staff. And time will tell if if they've succeeded in doing that. But they like where they stand, and, you know, really, you know, health, uh, barring any health issues in spring training, they are probably 20, 22 or 23 roster spots of the 26 are, are basically uh, accounted for.
0: That's amazing. When you look at uh, a guy like Bryce Harper, where does he need to be better? Look, I know there's the pressure of the contract, but there's a reason he got the contract. So when you watch him on an everyday basis, then the days he's right, what is he doing compared to when it, what he's not doing?
1: It's a great question, Steve. And look, I'm someone who believes he's had two really good years for the Phillies. I I have a hard time looking at his body of work these last two years and finding a lot of fault with it. He feels a little nitpicky almost, given what he's been able to do. I, I think if there was anything you point to, it's the consistency. You know, look, he, he had a stretch last year from, you know, the first game of the season, I would say for about the first month or so, where he carried that offense. I mean, he was having as good a stretch, as he's ever had in his career, and then he really went through kind of a, a rough patch. We now know that he was dealing with a, a back injury that he was playing through uh, that had limited him. That happens during the year, especially when you play as hard as as he does. You know, he doesn't really sort of you know he's got one speed, and so guys like that do tend to get banged up during the course of the year. I would just say that, look, you know, over the course of the two years, you say when he's right and when he's good, he's one of those guys who can carry an offense at the plate, and when he's not, he needs help around him. You'd like a little bit more consistency, but really, I mean, honestly, you know, I think they would take what he's done the last couple of years and they'd sign up for that second and uh, and take it again and for the next ten years.
0: So we take a guy that is a superstar in the game, and you need your superstars to perform well to win, but then you have other people that when they play well, they're a reason why you win to me, one of those guys to me is d d gregorius. How important was it in your opinion that they got him back on the roster?
1: I think it was important um for a few reasons, like he's a you know he's a left handed hitter, and without him. You know their lineup. Their lineup would tilt very much to the right. I mean, Harper is a left-handed hitter, but really, when you look at Alec Boehm, Reese Hoskins, J.T. Realmuto, Andrew McCutcheon, all right-handed hitters. Gene Segura, right-handed hitter. So right. they needed another left-handed hitter in the lineup. I think Gregorius's defense is better than the metrics show. You know, I, I, he's probably not where he was a few years ago with the Yankees prior to his. Elbow surgery. But, you know, the metrics were not kind to him last year. I watched, uh, you know, the large majority of their games, and I didn't find that he was a liability defensively. Uh, Now he's 31, and so I don't think his defense is going to get better uh, at this point probably going to erode a little bit but I think he still plays a good enough shortstop what's interesting to me is they looked around before they re-signed him they looked really hard at Andrelton Simmons who is on the free agent market he wound up signing a one year deal with the Twins Simmons is not as good an all around player as Gregorius but his defense is considerably better and it tells you the Phillies do have some concerns about their overall defense they were not a very good defensive team last year and so, while I, you know, I just said his defense, Gregorius' defense, to me is not a problem. There are better defensive shortstops out there, and they looked at one in Simmons. Ultimately, they, you know, he went somewhere else. They decided to sign D.D. Gregorius to a two-year deal, and I think for a couple of years, they still have a very, very good shortstop uh, on both sides of the ball, and a guy who maybe can be the bridge that they're looking for to Bryson Stott, who's their top prospect and their first-round pick two years ago, and a guy that they're hoping in 2022, 2023, can be their everyday guy there.
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, obviously I saw Stott when I was uh, in broadcasting State College Williams games, fabulous-looking prospect, no getting around it.
1: And the other thing I should note about Gregorius is, you know, is um, Joe Girardi knows him very well. was with him with the Yankees. And the one thing you you hear, the one thing we miss with this, with the virus and not being able to be in the clubhouse every day is seeing some of that interaction. But what you hear from, uh, from players, what you hear from Girardi is that Gregorius is just a good clubhouse guy. And someone that, you know, is important to have around. He's a winning player. He's been to the playoffs before. I think the more, uh, Phillies players that have been to the playoffs before, you know, this is a team that hasn't been there in nine years. And so you've got homegrown players like Luis Hoskins and Aaron Nola who've been around and they're established, but they don't know what that's all about. I think you need guys like Gregorius who know what it takes to get there and can show them, you know, can kind of be leaders in that way.
0: How does the five-man rotation set up?
1: Well, the top three are easy. It's Nola, Wheeler, and Zach Eflin. Um, right. That's one, two, three. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, something would have to happen in spring training for them to not start the first three games of the season. After that, you're going to have some competition. Matt Moore and uh, Chase Anderson are veteran guys who came in on major league contracts who have, um, uh, who have the opportunity here to win the fourth and fifth starter jobs. I would say they're probably the two favorites at this point. Vince Velasquez, also a veteran guy, has been here for a few years, is in the mix. Uh, I think he also has experience pitching out of the bullpen, so they could look at him as a potential swingman, guy who can give them some starts, give them some uh, innings out of the bullpen. The the real X factor in all of this is Spencer Howard. You know, We know um, how touted he is. We know how highly they think of him. He also pitched 24 innings last year and he's had shoulder issues in the last two years. So they're going to be careful with him. They're going to monitor him. They know that they want him to pitch important innings this year. They just don't know exactly how many innings he's going to be able to pitch. So I don't think they're putting a hard – they're certainly not going to tell us that they're putting a hard cap on on him at 100 innings or whatever it is. But, look, honestly, you know he had injury issues the year before. He didn't pitch much last year because of injuries and the pandemic. So – Realistically, if you could give them 100 innings, I think they'd take that. And, uh, you know, look, the, the other thing, too, is that they haven't come right out and said that they're going to use a six-man rotation at points this year. But I've been told that that's something they've talked about internally. And, you know, the reason being, um, as I said earlier, you know, you're trying to condition pitchers back to a full season's worth of innings after they pitched a third of a season last year. So it's possible you're going to need six guys in a rotation a few times through to kind of keep guys from uh, overwork- being overworked or whatnot, and I think the more arms you can have, the better. So, you know, I think Moore and Anderson might have the uh, inside track right from opening day on spots four and five, but you're going to need Velasquez, you're going to need Howard, I think you're going to need Ivan Nova, who they signed to a minor league deal, uh, you're going to need as many of these guys as you can to kind of get through the season
0: it's interesting you talked about getting through the season also something's going to happen Scott that hasn't happened in what 18 months because they couldn't reach an agreement because of the linkage between the playoffs and the DH you're going to have pitchers hitting that they haven't hit in 18 months how do you view that
1: well i mean look i i think i've talked to a few pitchers about it and i i think they're a little bit you know a little bit concerned understandably um there's enough to worry about in terms of staying healthy um from from you know keeping your arm healthy standpoint um now you put you put um you put having to hit back into the mix none of them have hit in the last year plus um you're going to have, you know, oblique injuries. You're going to have issues that come up with just a swing, or a guy trying to run the bases when he hasn't right. run the bases in the, in over a year. So I think that there are some pitchers who think that, you know, it's 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 a bit of a health concern. Um, you know, there's also the issue of, you know, I think most people think that in the next CBA, it's going to there's going to be a universal DH so they could be doing this again and doing it only for one more year so it's i think it's a thorny issue i think it's a little problematic i i think that um you know i'm not i'm not i'm not there yet where i'm i'm ready to say for sure that they're not going to have the dh in the national league i mean i think that there's still time for the you know for baseball and for the players association to work some things out whether it's a universal DH expanded playoffs last year, expanded playoffs um, happened on the day before the season started. So they can go almost right up until the end. I don't think it looks great for it to happen, uh, but you know, there's always the possibility that, you know, they could look at this and go, what are we doing? This is a health issue. We don't want pitchers to have to do this unnecessarily. Let's, let's put the DH in.
0: I felt in recent years that the trickiest part of any ball club is that Six, seven, eighth inning. The guys that pitch in there because you. I think you're always hoping to get, hit lightning in a bottle where the, where a couple of guys have that quote career year. So who do you look at in those roles in that Philly bullpen, Scott? That you think have a shot to give them something there that can make them better?
1: Well, the two, the two, uh, the two guys who you know you know are, are locks are Archie Bradley and Hector Neris. So I'll leave them out of it because. You know, they both have track records to some degree uh, as late inning guys. Say what you want about Naris, but I mean, he's, he's, he has closed for them and he has had really good stretches for them. I know he's not the most consistent guy in the world, and sometimes he puts guys on base and it makes it look harder than it is, and gives people a little bit of uh, a little bit of you know heart palpitations there. But he's done it, so I'm going to leave the two of them out. I'm going to say that they're relative certainties. You kind of know what you've got. You know, I think that there are other guys, Connor Brogdon is a name that I'm going to be looking at a lot in spring training, he had a really good finish to last season, uh, but he's he's still a rookie and he's still a guy who's kind of light on experience, you know is he more the guy that you got in September when he was lights out, or the guy who struggled when he came to the big leagues the first time in August and had to go back to the alternate site you know, Brogdon, Jojo Romero falls into that category of a young guy with potential who had his had his moments last year, you know if they can give you um, the the better version of themselves, then all of a sudden you're looking at two guys who could be key pieces to the bullpen. And we're also looking at, you know, guys, they've signed a few guys to minor league deals, Brandon Kinsler, Tony Watson today agreed to a minor league deal. Hector Rondon who've been, who've who've had, you know, track records in the big leagues who are going to have a chance to make the team as non-roster invitees, you know, Kinsler had a really good year last year with the Marlins. There's a the guy who mm-hmm. I think could come in and pitch the seventh or eighth inning for you and, and do a nice job. So, you know, whether those guys emerge and win spots in the bullpen, um, you know, I, I, I've described the Phillies' bullpen as kind of a land of opportunity this spring, and I think that there's going to be a chance for a lot of different guys, younger guys, more experienced guys, to win the, to win some of those seats in that bullpen.
0: Tony, Watson started his career in State College professionally.
1: Right. Right.
0: Okay. In fact, first outing there at Williamsport, five and two-thirds no-hit innings. I thought, this guy's going to Is that right? Yeah. First time out. Then, of course, they had to take him out (laughs) because there's only X amount of pitches you can throw at this level. (laughs) Of course. Scott, always a pleasure. Really appreciate the time you give us.
1: You bet, Steve. Anytime.
0: Scott Lauber, joining us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. It wasn't a Yankee conversation, this. I know you have complaints. We'll come back with more in a moment. Seemed to have a lot of complaints lately.
2: Hey, I get my DD fix with him, so I'm good, actually.
0: With the guy you dumped? All right. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. <laughs> Carson Wentz, still an eagle. Went through an entire show. Nothing. Just thought we'd throw that in there for you. Yep. Uh, hundred eighty two COVID-19 tests for Penn State, 16 positives. Okay. That's the latest numbers put out today. All right. So we thought we'd throw that in there for you um, along the way. Our thanks to – it's always great talking baseball with Scott. He's terrific. Does a great job covering the Phillies. Great insight, perspective, which is obviously what we're looking for here. Got a lot going on tomorrow. Uh, Not only the show, but then after that, the coaches' show. Uh, well you got uh you said me basketball. That's not gonna be played tomorrow probably. Um, yeah, most likely which you, not. Which means you'd
2: carry Penn State, Ohio State, right? Yes. I believe that is the plan. That is right. the plan so, B I should say.
0: Yes. Well plan A for me is I have to do the coaches show from six oh five to seven and then drive over <laughs> and be and be there at seven thirty to uh get the game going. So That is tomorrow. Ohio State is right now on the one line. The NCAA selection committee a couple of years ago started putting out what their top 16 have to be, top four in each region. And when they put it out this time, it was Baylor, Gonzaga, as expected, Michigan, and Ohio State on that one line. Ohio State is here tomorrow night at 8. And I'm beginning at 7.30. So I'll do this, get the show done, then do the next show from 6.05 to 7, and then get in the car, drive over, make sure I'm there by 7.30. (laughs) If Dick Girardi's opening it, that means I didn't get there in time. (laughs) I think I'll make it it's not that far it's not that far so all good and another key for us is that I won't have to listen during that entire time how about Carson Wentz (laughs) alright (laughs) so <laughs> True. Look, it's you, know, you. You become entertaining.
2: I guess I'll take that as a compliment.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you should definitely take that as a compliment. You know, like look at the suit. Entertaining.
2: Yeah, also true.
0: At times, very entertaining. <laughs> and most of the time, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> another show where today we didn't talk about the Indy 500. Great to have you with us. (laughs) Today's show has been brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 and Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070 WKOK Stay tuned here for the latest in weather and if there are any closings, delays, or cancellations here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.